Bibles and turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 29 this morning. Jeremiah chapter 29. And if you need a Bible, there's one, should be one in the pew right in front of you. And that's a gift Bible. If you don't have one, you can certainly take it home and that'll be our gift to you. Uh, how, how many how many knew about the Matrix of Liberty in Plymouth? Anybody already know about that? I actually got the article from Cassie Castleberry. And uh, it was it was written by the American Family Association and AFAJournal.org. And uh, that's a tremendous website to go to if you want anything, uh, really all things American and family and uh, and Bible. And, uh, and so I would encourage you with that. Uh, you know, if they ever decide to try to permanently erase God from what is etched in marble all over this country, uh, it, it's going to be a, a serious undertaking because he's everywhere. And I, I don't think they like it very much in Washington. You go into the, the uh, Library of Congress, here's all these Bible verses all over the place. I mean prominently etched and painted. Uh, you go to the Washington Monument, step after step after step after step after step, filled with Scripture. You go into the tundra at Congress, and the largest and most prominent bust over the top of the Speaker of the House is Moses, the great lawgiver. And uh, all through our capital and everywhere in our country are monuments like these that are protected by the very people that pass the laws. And uh, our Constitution, as long as she stays what she is, will protect them. But you and I both know that that, uh, by the way, the, you need to understand this too, the Constitution is not sacred I know that sounds probably anti-American, but it's not. This is sacred. The reason the Constitution is so powerful and so wonderful is because the men who wrote it believed the book. And they believed that only God created man and woman. By the way, that's what God created, man and woman. And, uh, and they realized that the importance of uh, George Washington said that if you're going to govern intelligent people, it can only be by the word of God. And so when you look at our history, to me, it's apropos that I'm going to talk about what I'm going to talk about today. Now, I've got to be honest with you. All week long, I prepared a message out of our series in 1 Samuel about the children of Israel saying, we want to be like all the other nations. And I said, man, God, that's I even told my preacher friends that I saw this week. I said, man, how perfect is God? God's going to let me preach about a nation, America, that was not like any other nation ever. And now she wants to be like every other nation in the world. And I prepared, had it all ready. And yesterday as I was going home and I would just kept, the Holy Spirit just kept rewinding all of the decisions and all of the Bible that we heard this week. And uh, I honestly just felt God put on the brakes and said, you can preach that another time. Right now what I want you to do is I want you to utilize what I did, not only in your heart, but in the heart of your teenagers and I think it would behoove you and my church if you shared what I did. And I argued with him for about 150 miles, to be honest with you. I said, Lord, I, I'm exhausted. I, uh, I don't want to go home and write another message. And so I just started rehearsing all the other one. And every time I'd get to like the second point, he'd just wipe away the whole thing. He'd say, you, we can do this all day long. I got all of eternity if you want to. I, I can argue with you if you want to. But you and I both know how that works. Just ask Jonah. How did that turn out? And I was like, oh, okay, Lord. And, uh, and and so I finally just gave in. And uh, I, I had Miss Naomi came down and put all of the points together and printed all the outlines. And I told her yesterday, I said, I'm so sorry, but God changed plans. How many has ever had God change your plans, right? If, if 2020 taught us anything is that we have no idea what actually is coming around the horn tomorrow. But God does. And so I've just learned that when God says no, to say okay. And if God says go, to say okay. And I've just learned, maybe you have learned, maybe you're still learning this, maybe you haven't learned it yet. I just know that God's plans are better than my plans. And if I'll just let him be God, that'll give me time to be me. And then I'll be the person that God wants me to be. So Jeremiah, did I already tell you? Jeremiah chapter 29, did I already say that? Okay, good. We're going to look at just a few verses, and then I'm going to race through here. And uh, I'm going to give any teenager that wants to. And, and, and you may be here, and you say, yeah, I wanted to. And then I got here, and I saw these people, and I don't want to. And, uh, and you may not want to, and that's fine. But uh, what I want to do is give them an opportunity to speak 
from their heart. And by the way, I don't care how long it takes. If, if they, if they, the Holy Spirit gets a hold of them and they want to speak specifically, then I want them to speak. If they're right now sweating, because we did a lot of that this week. If they're just sitting there thinking, I, I can't, I get tongue tied, uh, then that's, that's fine. They don't, they don't have to. They may have told you, Dad, I'm doing it. And they get the microphone in front of them and say, I'm good. Just let, let just somebody else do it. And, uh, and so we'll just, we'll just let the Lord work, okay? All right. Let's do this. You're in Jer- Jeremiah chapter 29. Braden, I want you to come help me, okay? Put that over there next to Brother Creel. And I want you to take this microphone to any kid that wants to uh, give a testimony. Who wants to start? Any teenager want to start this morning? Watch this. Get it off your chest. Anybody? Oh, my wife is going to start. Good. She is a teenager, by the way. She's still a teenager. She is as gorgeous as the day I married her. Okay, there you go. Should be on. Hello? Yeah. Okay. Really? Can't hear it. Um, I just wanted to say how amazing the week was. Um, In spite of the heat, when we... It's been 25 years since my husband and I went to teen camp for a week. So this was um, definitely out of our comfort zone. Uh, 25 years ago, I don't know if a lot of you knew, my husband was a youth pastor in Las Vegas, and we used to take our teens to Ironwood, our juniors. We'd go to teen camp in a different place. But um, so when we thought about going to teen camp for the week, we were just like, well, this is going to be different. Um, we're 25 years older than we used to be. Um, and then when we got out of the car and it was 115 degrees, I thought, Lord, what have I done? <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to be able to make it. And then I talked to Becky later and she had the same thought, so I didn't feel so bad. But um, I literally did not want to get out of the car. And that night I was thinking, God, I am not going to make it through this week. But God's grace is always sufficient, just like for every trial that we go through. And, yes, 115 degrees is a trial. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we, we, you know, God was so merciful and gave us a cloud cover on Tuesday, and that was a blessing. Um, and he just helped us get through every day, and it was um, so wonderful to be able to be there all week with the teens instead of just coming up for a day like we normally do. And just be able to watch them interact and um, be in the preaching and hear what they heard and see God working in their lives and to hear their testimonies uh, was just amazing. We wouldn't change it for the world. And I'm just so thankful for our teenagers. I'm so thankful for Becky, who uh, volunteered to go with us. And she stayed in the girls' cabin, so she got much less sleep than we did. Um, so she... She, uh, we have to pray extra special for her, a blessing on her. Uh, but she, the girls just loved having her in there, and I loved being able to spend time with her this week. And it was just amazing to watch God work, and, and I'm thankful for the opportunity and the parents that sent their kids. And it's just priceless. You cannot put a price tag on teen camp. Um, the, the, um, what they get from the preaching yeah. and the, the Bible principles that are going to be in their life forever that they learned this week. Um, are just so wonderful, and I'm so thankful that they were so attentive. It was hot. We'd be hot all day long doing games and then sit in for two hours of preaching, and they all listened so well, and um, I really think most of them gave testimonies, and even the ones I didn't, I know that God um, was working in their heart, and I'm just so, so thankful for the week and just praising the Lord for everything he did and for our teenagers and... um, Lord willing, pray that we'll be able to go back to our camp next year. So if you can just make that a prayer, that we can go back there. That would be a blessing. But I'm just thanking God for his grace and for his mercy on the whole week and for safety. Amen. So thank you for all of us who, all of you who prayed for us um, this week to be out in the middle of nowhere. No, no internet, can't call. And lots of great, and some kids did get hurt, not severely. And praise the Lord, none of ours. I mean, we're throwing hatchets, we're, we're shooting guns, <laughs> honey, honey, we're, honey, honey, we're going down 200-foot slide, water slides, <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know how many feet. So, you know what? God protected us, so you guys didn't know all of that till now. That's Amen. a blessing. Um, anyway, I'm thankful for our teenagers. Amen.
Pray, pray for next year's team camp. And you say, is it that big of a deal? It's a 50-degree big deal. Uh, we wake up, and it's about 50 degrees there, so people are in hoodies. And Who wants to go next? Go ahead, Morgan. So um, it was a lot of fun, even though it was like 100-plus degrees every single day. Um, I, I made a lot of friends, and we had lots of like activities and fun stuff to do. But um, the preaching was absolutely amazing. And um, the night that spoke the most to me was Wednesday night when he talked about um, uh, like having reassurance of your salvation. And I've definitely struggled with like doubting my salvation in the past. So Wednesday night I got that for sure that I am saved. Amen. Hello. Camp was amazing. You'll just have to bear with us a little bit. Our voices are a little shot, but um, it was definitely super hot, but it was a lot of fun. Um, the preaching was definitely the best part. I'm not just saying that because I'm in church right now, but it was like the highlight of every day. Um, he opened with a really good message about keeping Christ the, um, the focus of your life, and so every night that was just kind of like the theme. Anytime I would like make a decision or would be um, an invitation, I was just thinking like, okay, so how does this apply to me keeping Christ as the center of my life? Um, so that was really a blessing, whether it's thinking about the future or in present circumstances, um, just keeping him the focus. Um, then on Wednesday, like, like Morgan said, um, I got reassurance of my salvation as well. Um, I had definitely doubted in the past, but now I know for sure where to go in the Bible, where to see um, that God has saved me and he loves me so much. And I'm super thankful for that. And um, the last night was really amazing, too. I never heard a message like that before about being dead to self. Mm. He just gave the best illustrations, and it's been preached before, but um, also about keeping Christ to center. Just what does it look like, Christ living through you? And it looks like you dying. It looks like you dying to self every day, to the world and to your flesh. And um, this week was really a lot of help, and I'm really glad that um, we had such great preachers down there, and I'm thankful for everyone who um, helped us go to camp. You guys are amazing, and I'm thankful for all who, my parents and for Miss Becky for taking us, and it was just so much fun. I'm so thankful that I got to go. Amen. Who else? Anybody else? Parker. Okay, Parker, and then we'll come up here, Jake. I like the first ones. Yes, it's super super hot it was just it was killing me i felt like spongebob when we went to sandy's house without a no water thing on his head I was just like, <laughs> but uh, the preaching was definitely the best part and all of the preachers were great and really spoke to me and um uh i think it was the fourth message about a uh, stronghold and how you, devil has control of your life when you have certain things taking over your life and addictions to sin. And the the first point was about uh, lying and how you need to tell the truth or he'll just shoot down any chance of Christ coming in your life. And I did have very big problems with lying, and it was it was hard, and I tried to stop, but it was like uh, addiction, and I couldn't. I just kept on doing it and kept on doing it. And I finally gave it to the Lord and gave up. And on the last night, I finally gave my life to the Lord. And I uh, now I won't lie anymore. Or I asked God to help me. It's not like I can't sin. But. <laughs> Amen, Parker. Uh, hello. Uh, Teen camp was a lot of fun, and uh, in spite of all, like, the activities and all the stuff we did, um, preaching was definitely the best part. Um, I feel like piggybacking off of what Morgan said, Wednesday was definitely the best message off of uh, Assurance of Salvation. Like, ever since I got saved at, what, like, four years old, I feel like my Christian life went off of, like, an autopilot or, like, a cruise control, and Wednesday really expose that and I feel like now I know that I'm going to go to heaven and yeah um, every single message was incredible but Wednesday was definitely the best 
and gave a campfire testimony. And that's not to say anything about that nobody else wanted to, but I was just so proud that he walked up there with, with boldness and he said exactly what he said today. Um, he admitted his his failures before God and before his fellow Christians, and and that's what we're called to do. Um, it, it was it was great getting to know uh, James a little bit more and see him active and and land in um, having no voice by the end. It was so funny, and um, Alistair for just uh, being out there and 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 th- a lot of it was their first time. To be away from home for five days so far away is a big deal. And they all did super well. And it was a blessing to watch from a distance and see my son um, grow a little more. So if you're ever contemplating whether it's worth it or whether it's worth maybe sponsoring a teen, it is. It, it, it is. And yeah. I wish you all could have experienced what we experienced. Amen. But know that what you did put into it, God is going to bless. Amen. That's good. Thank you. Somebody else? Any other teens? All right. That's good, bud. Just press and hold. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Shoot. Um, uh, Wednesday was definitely the best. I know a lot of our teens and a lot of other teens did get a lot of assurance of their faith, but I did for sure, and I know that I am on my way to heaven, and that I know Jesus is my father, and that he always loves me and cares for me. And I think it was Thursday morning, um, one of the guest preachers was talking about um, that we sh- we have a mask on sometimes of hiding our Christian faith and that we're afraid to take it off and show who we really are and that we should take it off and express that we are a Christian Amen. and that we love Jesus. And that really helped me. And just... Everything, every day, every night, just really helped me and gave me assurance. Amen, Brady. Just press press and hold the round one, it'll turn off. Yeah. Good? Okay. uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 29. There's a phrase in verse 10 I want you to look at. At the very middle of the verse, it says, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you. Then notice verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. And then it tells you who's speaking, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you an expected end. Verse 12 says, then shall you call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you and you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all of your heart. The beginning of verse 14 reads, and I will be found of you. It is true. We had an amazing week. One particular reason uh, it was so amazing was the, just the simple fact that we survived. I, I mean, I got to be honest with you. They, they talked about how hot it was, and uh, it, it wasn't a ton of bricks. It was like a blowtorch was being applied to your calves. And every part of you, I, I said to somebody today, I said, literally, I felt like I was being stung. The moment I stepped out of the vehicle and I was standing there and I was like, is something biting me? And it was just the sun going, I'm here. It was awful. It was literally awful. I, I, I confess my complaining by at least the third day <laughs> uh, to the Lord. The kids weren't complaining at all. But I was just like, this is unbelievable. And, and here's, you know, you look back on it and you say, was it really that awful? I don't suppose it was that awful, but I, I, I would just like to praise the Lord. He gave us 115 on Monday so that 108 wasn't so bad by Wednesday. Right? Or by Thursday. By Thursday, literally, we went from 115, the next day I think was 100 and some, and we were like, ooh, this is sweater weather, it's a little chilly out here. It, it was it was super humid when there was no sun and a little bit of, not, not very much wind. And, and to be honest, I felt like, man, I should have just got t-shirts for all of us, Becky, that said, we survived Teen Camp 2021. Just for simple, just the simple fact that it was so hot. Now, let me say this, there was air conditioning in every building that we went to, and, and, and there was shade and they had the, you know, the big lake. But the, the fact of the matter is, uh, it, it was for people of our age, it was very difficult. 
um, for, for the youngsters, you, they never complain. I never heard one teenager said, it is so hot, I don't want to do anything. They just did it. Whether it was the, by the way, 60-foot water slide, six stories. It was awesome. Um, I, I, the goal, apparently, is to skim on a board from six stories up, going about what I thought was at least 40 miles an hour, head first into a lake and going straight across the lake. The goal, now think about the, the just the idiocy of the statement I'm going to make. The goal is to go so fast that you hit the beach on the other side. That's just dumb. But every guy that got up there was like, did you beach it? No, <laughs> I did. I'm like, I, I want to beach it. I want to hit. Then, then the stories came out. Yeah, a year ago, two years ago, uh, my friend of mine got up there and he hit the bank. So, and when, by the way, when you beach it, it's not like this, you know, this gradual, it's like 45 degrees up. So if you hit it fast enough, you go boom and you launch across the sand and there's a tree right there waiting for you. And that story goes that a year or two ago, this kid was screaming it across the lake, hit it, boom, jumped up. A guy was going by and they just met. And he traveled all over him, landed all in the tree, and it was this whole big mess. And I thought, that sounds pretty fun. I think I may want to try to do that. And so, you know, I go down, I go down, you're not going to make it, you're too big, you need it, which I didn't think was a compliment. You need to do it with more than, more than two boards. So you put two boards down there, and I didn't make it. You need three boards. I did three, didn't make it. You need four. And I'm thinking, why am I trying this again? Walk all the way up six stories, and I'm telling you, they're like, they're, do everything you possibly can to increase your speed. Lift your legs off of the slide. Don't let your feet touch. When you hit the water, bow your back. Lift your legs up like this. And I'm like, i got to remember all this stuff going 40 miles an hour with my face this far off of the water. Yeah, you got to do that. Okay, I'm willing to do it. And sure enough, four boards, Scott. My legs are all up like this. I think you may have a video of it. I hit the water. You ever You ever get a really good skipping rock? Like a really good one? And you think, okay, this is it. Watch this. And it just goes ding, 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 ding. And then it just seems like to stay on there. And it turns. That was me. 220 pounds. That, uh, whatever it was, I'm telling you, we were. I was screaming. I hit the water. It didn't even move me. It was so smooth. I felt like I was on a Cadillac. It went from board to water. And I just was like, Whoa. so here, you guys know D. Miller. How many know D. Miller? D. Miller was the camp speaker. He went before me and he wasn't going to go. And he goes, oh, I don't know. Uh, no, you can do it. You can do it. I don't know. And I was like, reverse psychology, then you probably shouldn't be doing this. You should just put your boards down. Why are you telling me that? I'm trying to look out for you, Brother Miller. You shouldn't really do this. You shouldn't be. Do- I'm going to do it. I'm like, yes, he's going to go up. So then, like all good preachers do, we made it a competition. Let's see who can get farther across the lake. And so Dean gets up there and he gets on there. The guys, the counselors up there coaching him, okay, you got to do this, 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 and this. I said, Dean, whatever you do, don't bury the front end. If you bury the front end when you hit the water, it's going to be really bad. And he was looking at me like, you didn't tell me that before. And I said, no, just, just you'll be okay. Just do this. Said, okay. Well, he went down there and he hit the water, didn't bite it. He got about halfway across the lake. I said, okay, just stand there and mark your spot. So he stands there and marks his spot. He did pretty good. It was his first time he never did. <laughs> so I get up there, four boards. This is literally what Dean Miller did. He was like, oh, you're never going to... He wants me that fast. I went right by him. He was like, whoa! And I hit the bank and lost all the boards. I went, boom! By the way, I lost all of my air that was in my lungs as well. And I literally bounced off the ground and I, uh, my foot, my feet stuck in the mud and I was prone on the edge of the bank going, ah. And what did I do? I was like, yeah, mud all over me and stuff. It was awesome. It was awesome. So out of, uh, I think out of seven times, I beached it five times. Come on, I beached it five times. Did you beach it? No. I'm looking at all these 12-year-olds that weigh like 80 pounds that are never going to get across. They're going, I beached it, did you? I'm way better than you are. Ha <laughs> ha, you can't do it. And so I'd encourage them, why don't you do like a gainer off of the high dive instead? Try to do a backflip. Uh, try to do, you know, whatever. And uh, so, so it was a lot of fun. You get that, right? Whether it was throwing hatchets at targets, can you imagine? And these kids are doing it. Throwing saw blades. 
Brady comes back. Yeah, yeah, they were throwing saw blades. I said, they were doing what? And you were there? Yeah. And I said, did anybody stick it? Can you imagine a 17-year-old taking a saw blade and going, I mean, that's just, that's scary. Um, we played archery tag. Tag, you're it. Literally, we played archery tag. The difference was the arrows had a big ball of rubber on the end of it. And, uh, and, and so, you know, you hide behind these things. There's this huge ball of tape and pad on the end of it. And we get like, you know, the, everybody at first is standing like 400 yards away. Nobody's getting hit. And then finally, it's just like, ah, I'm going to, we're going to protect Scotland. Ah, we're going in. And, uh, this, this kid, I couldn't hit. I'm like, I'm not focused on anybody else. I'm going to hit this kid. He's shooting his mouth off. So about from here to Rob, I just drew back full on. I was like, I hit him so hard right here. You heard his lung go, boom. And I hit it. I was like, ha ha, I got you. I said that and one went, right in the middle of my chest. This little bitty girl that had been shooting everybody. And she did. She reared back and was like, and I was like, ha ha, It was awesome. Hatchets, guns, hike to Soldier Mountain, canoes, paddleboard. It was all often. But, but I have to be honest. The most amazing thing about this week was the fact that your teenagers heard from God. They literally, now listen to the statement. They literally heard God speak. I want you just to think about that. By the way, last time I checked, this isn't a charismatic church. This is just a Bible church. They heard God speak. He spoke directly to them and they heard him and they responded. Did you know that whenever the Bible is preached, it's not the preacher speaking? It's God. God uses his word, not man's word. God blesses his word, not man's word. God blesses and honors his word above his very own name, the Bible says. So it's his word to interpret, not man's. God can interpret his own word. And he speaks, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of, listen, any private interpretation. Well, that's what it says to me. No, the Bible says what God says it is. How I apply it may be different, but there's only one primary interpretation to God's word, and God gets to interpret it. It was amazing to see and hear. I've got to be honest. God spoke and we heard and God did a work. The Lord, the Lord spoke to the teens about his love for them and that when a Christian approaches God on the basis of their relationship, our father. As a father that he reminds them that he's loving and forgiving and welcoming and caring and securing. And if you study what we know as the Lord's Prayer, God is not teaching us, Jesus doesn't teach His disciples to say this vain repetition over and over and over. Rather, He gives us a pattern that says, listen, and we, we always come to God like He's a judge. And we don't pray because we've got some things in our life that need to be taken care of, and, and that may keep us from praying. Or when we do, we feel like we have to get that out of the way first. But if you look in the order of that model prayer, look where sins are. Almost at the bottom. And God says, listen, I want to remind you, I'm your father. I'm your Abba. Don't worry about the sin. I took care of that. Hallelujah. On the cross. What I want you to do is come to me just for me first. Let me spend time. I, I want to hear you. I want to remind you that I love you. They were reminded of what it's like to have a father. And by the way, there were some kids that didn't have one. He had just left. Or kids that were not born with one. God says, I want to remind you that your daddy may do a lot of things on this earth, but he's not like me. I spoke everything out of nothing. I created the heavens. I put the sun and the moon in its circuit. I, the Lord, am the God of heaven. And beside me, there is none else. That's your father. Man, they got a hold of that. 
They heard the voice of God concerning their salvation, that believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood in order to be saved was enough to save them. And the Bible says, in case you're ever wondering, by the way, I'm under the impression that the teenagers are not the only ones that struggle with their salvation. Because the Bible says you shouldn't be looking uh, that you shouldn't be looking for salvation for a feeling. Well, I don't feel saved because I'm this way or I don't feel saved because it's been so long or I don't remember the prayer. God says, no, this is the record that I have given to them eternal life. And that is in his son. He that hath the son hath life and he that hath not the son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you. That ye may know. I was so thankful and proud of Brother Miller. A lot of preachers will go to camp and they'll do their level best to try to get kids to doubt their salvation. And instead, God used his word to assure them of their salvation. And there was no guilt running around. There weren't kids going out of there going, I've lost my mind. I thought I was saved. There were kids that were just genuinely struggling. One of them in our group figured it out. He said, Pastor, i got to be honest. His stress completely left his body. And he said, I'm not saved. He had so much anxiety built up over feelings and what his family had said and what he had done and all of these things. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said, just stop. It's about me. And he said, it is. The counselor took him and dealt with him. He came back and I said, now... If he died right now, where would you go? He said, I would go. Totally different kid. Anxiety gone, eyes wide open, not a tear in his, not a tear on his brow, nothing. He said, I'd go to heaven. I said, why? He said, because I asked Jesus to save me and he did and it's settled and now I have a record that tells me so. What an amazing day. The Holy Spirit assured them that salvation is not about feelings, it's about facts. And the fact is that God wants everyone to know for sure that they're His. God spoke to them about how they belong to God. That their bodies were not their own to do with what they choose and how they feel they should identify and how they should go along with somebody or make the decisions based on their own desires. No, they were told that from the word of God that they were God's child and they belonged to him, that they were uh, that they were already purchased by God and that the Holy Spirit indwells them and everything they do should be to the glory of God. God spoke to them about the dangers of sin and the destruction of it and the need to be, as Braden said, a genuine Christian. Brother Ryan Wrench brought up some masks and said, you know, in the society that we live in, what we what we're encouraged to do by some various groups is take off your mask and be whoever you want to be. And yet the Bible says, no, God formed you in your mama's belly. And he made you who you are and he redeemed your soul. And if you want to make an impact and you want to identify, identify with Christ and who you are in Christ and take off the mask of going through the motions of singing and take off the mask of trying to live a good life and pretend to everybody at church or pretend to everybody at home that things are just fine. And and, and I've got to go through these motions of Christianity and just be a real Christian. Let the world see what real love of Christ looks like. Let the world see what genuine mercy looks like. Let them see Jesus in you. He spoke about being who he created you to be and the importance of living the truth in a world that's deceived and acting on the lies of Satan. And that we need not fear the unsaved. Right, Jacob? Jacob said in a testimony, he said, look, I just realized I don't have to be afraid of them. I don't have to be afraid of the lost. I don't have to be afraid of all the garbage they're saying. I don't have to be afraid of of all of the of all of the anti-Bible thought and statements that are out in the world. I don't have to fear them. Why? Because I have the truth. I know Jesus and I have the word of God and it's light to me. They heard about God speak about how to pray and how to approach him. They heard God's voice speak to his promise to bless faith and obedience and that delayed obedience is disobedience. And and some parents said, amen. Delayed obedience is disobedience. 
They heard the importance of keeping their focus on Christ, no matter what the circumstances may be. But they also heard the difference between commitment and surrender. Now, some of you are sitting here going, and we made the statements. I committed my life to Christ. But they heard it differently. They heard it clearly. That nowhere in the Bible do you find Jesus saying to his followers, commit to me. Instead, all through the Bible, you find Jesus saying, I want you to surrender to me. And the reason is because commitment has everything to do with you. It's my decision. When you surrender, you don't get to make any more decisions. See the difference? Commitment has everything to do with you. Surrender has everything to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 6.13, neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you're not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to listen, whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Jesus said it this way to his disciples. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. What, what did Jesus do? Did Jesus say, I commit my life to, to God the Father. I commit myself to His will. I commit myself to dying on the cross. No. He surrendered. Because He never did anything that the Father didn't say to do. He never chose anything. He surrendered. He became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. Remember when Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. You see, I'm trying to emphasize a point this morning, and I hope that you're understanding it. They heard God personally speak to them over and over and over again. God spoke. And when he spoke to them about their life, many of them responded. Many of them responded. The very first night, the very first step, as the altar was right there, just to see one of our teenagers, a first-timer, just get on his face before God and then go out and testify how God touched his life. That was amazing to me. It was an amazing week. Not because they had six stories to slide down at Mach 1. Not because they were throwing hatchets or shooting guns and arrows. Not because they met a lot of people. It was amazing because God spoke and they heard him speak. Many of them, as they responded, wanted to get up and go to a place in the building and just pray and go to their Abba. They were so stirred and the Holy Spirit of God was so active. At one point, the whole place just erupted and they just got on their face and prayed. You might say, well, why did they do that? Why did they get up and why did they go somewhere and why did they pray? Brother Miller put it this way. The universal sign for surrender is this. No matter where you are on the planet, if you're warring and a conquering king is coming in or an army's coming in, if you want to give up, that's all you do. In, uh, in Operation Desert Storm, there were platoons of Iraqi tanks that were stationed in different places. And as the A-10 Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt my personal favorite uh, uh, weapon in the arsenal of the United States Air Force, as these as they heard these... Uh, fighting tigers come over them because it has a distinct whine. There were entire platoons of tanks that were getting out of their vehicles, surrendering to an airplane. Not one person on the ground, but because they knew their life was going to be taken, they got out of their tanks and they did this and they didn't get killed. But they did have to surrender. Everybody knows what that means. That's what these kids did. They just said, hey, I give up. 
at 12 years old, how much can you really give up? I'll tell you what they didn't have to give up. At 12 years old, there's not much of their past that they have to give up. Yeah. What, what did they give up? The best part of their life. The future. The parts that makes a difference long after we're dead. Oh, and they learned that too. All die. We're all going to die. Phenomenal message on heaven and hell. Phenomenal message on the gospel. We are all going to die and live one place, either in hell or in heaven forever. And there were people there at that point that did not know Jesus at all. I'm not talking about struggling with salvation. I'm talking about never met him ever. And they met him that night. And it wasn't because I don't want to go to hell. It was because he did that for me. I have an opportunity to take Christ as my Savior. I have an opportunity to have a dad that never does anything but keep his promises. I want him. And that was amazing to watch. It was unbelievable. They confessed sin. They found mercy. And they went back to their seats with the grace of God in their life. Then we would meet. Many of them would share how God spoke to them. And then they would pray together. We would pray together about the message. Here's my admonishment to you. Why was God's voice so clear? Was it the desert? God, I hope it was not the desert. I mean, we have to go and suffer anguish and torment at 115 in order to hear God speak. I hope not, Dorina. I hope that is not why. I don't think it was that. If you have something to write on, let me give you Three quick things. Why was God's voice so clear? If you're ready, number one, they didn't have the normal distractions. They were all gone. There were no cell phones. There were no video games. There were no internet. There was no social media presence. There were no movies. There was no bad influences. There was no criticism. There was no bad attitudes. Bad attitudes were dealt with and good attitudes were encouraged. There was nothing to fear except whatever fear you brought with you about the camp. Everywhere they turned on the campus, there was a Bible verse on wood planks reminding them that God is good, that God is everywhere, that the word of God is sure. Consider the heavens over the door of every cabin on the inside was a glow in a dark piece of word, uh, piece of wood that said, be still and know that I am God. In an environment like that. All the distractions removed, they heard from God. Number two, they were around other people just like them. They were around, oh, there were from different walks of life and different churches and different cities. I mean, consider the fact that you have people from our church and you have people from Long Beach who live in the ghetto. You have people from Newport Beach who can't even spell the word ghetto. They've never even seen one. You know what I'm talking about? You have people from San Diego, they're more rural outside, and, and, and all military families, the vast majority, about 80% of them were from military families. You have people from all over, kids that have money, kids that don't have money, kids that have parents, kids that don't have parents, kids that have one parent, public school, home school, Christian school, all over the map. But they were there with no distractions. And as they were there, they looked around and said, hey, there's another 12-year-old. Hey, there's another 14-year-old. Hey, there's a 17-year-old. Hey, there's a senior. And they were all there together. And one thing that they knew, if they didn't have anything else in common, was that God brought them there. And there was a purpose. And it happened every morning. And it happened every evening. As they listened to the Word of God together. They were surrounded by other believers, you could put it that way. They were all doing the same activities with people just like them. Some people were scared to go, others were scared to go. Some people could do things that other people couldn't do. For the life of me, I could not swing off of the rope and get into the water. Dean Miller, Dave Delaney, all these guys were trying it. If you've never swung... Off of an elevated position on a rope. When you get down to the bottom. 
gravity takes all of your weight and multiplies it by a factor of which I've never seen. And you have these negative G-forces pulling on all of you to get you off of the rope. And it, does, it didn't look that hard. Dean Miller said, I think I can do this. Landed in the water. Dave Lenny, I think I can. And I'm like, man, it doesn't seem to look that hard. I don't understand what the big deal is. So I watched, and I watched all these kids. Uh, Alistair, I said, Alistair, can you do it? Oh, yeah. Alistair jumps on there. I'm going to do that. So sure enough, I got up there. I'm standing there going, I can't do this. I am going to make a fool of myself. So I waited till like Dean and Dave and everybody turned it around. And sure enough, in the water and I was like caught up is anybody looking no okay nobody saw me it was hard whether you could do it or not do it the fact is you were trying and you were trying with everybody else we played basketball which probably turned out to be one of the greatest mistakes of the week in the water pastors against campers and you know it basically how do you play that well basically when you play basketball in a lake at teen camp in the water and you say pastors against campers, it's kind of like saying we're going to combine tackle football and WWE and do whatever it takes to stop anybody in the whole game. Because there's no dribbling. You just kind of work through. Dean Miller at one point was trying to get to the basket. He had five teenagers on him dragging himself through the water like this to try to slam the basketball. Then two pastors from Canyon Ridge Baptist Church in San Diego came into the water and said, we're going to be on the camper's side. What you don't know is one of them was the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> His name is Chris Chadwick. He'll probably be up here probably in the next year. He weighs 280 pounds. He does CrossFit, and he literally is a white Hulk. It's the largest biceps I've ever seen. My pants couldn't slide onto his bicep. That's how big they are. They're huge. He's just a huge man. 13% body fat and getting lower. He got into the water and I was like, this is not fair. We need somebody in our team. He's like, nope, I'm with my teenagers. We're going at it. Man, that guy, I might as well have been trying to hug that wall. It was awful. Got beat up. I've got scars on me. Teenagers jumping on me. His youth pastor hit me right in the face. And then with, with the smile of Jesus, are you okay, brother? I'm like, no, I'm not okay. Ah, it was awful. We were all getting beat up together. We were all trying to, but the key was we were all doing it together. We're all just trying to do whatever we could together. Water games, didn't matter. By the way, they were at every service together. And I wish you could hear the singing. I wish, am I right, sweetheart? I wish you could have heard the singing. It was the most beautiful I've ever heard 240 young voices i have an old voice 240 young voices the vast majority of them with no hard past but a very bright future and a simple faith lifting their voices to god and i literally was taken to the gates of glory harmonizing and listening to them saying i thought God, this is as close to heaven as I've ever been. This is amazing. This is what heaven's going to be like. And we'd sing, and we'd sing, and we'd sing, and we'd sing, and we'd sing. And by the time the preacher came and he delivered the word of God, we were ready. And they did all of that together. Listen to me. You can't sing like that by yourself. Now, look, I'm for singing by myself, and for whistling by myself, I do it all the time. Some people wish I wouldn't whistle. But there is something about doing it with other believers. There's just something about it. Ask any of the teenagers, what was the singing like? It was amazing. They sing songs. By the way, they sung it with no hesitation. Some of them couldn't sing a lick. But here's the difference between an adult and a kid. They don't care. Yeah, they were just making a joyful noise to the Lord. And nobody listening to them cared. Chris Chadwick, Moose, he can't sing a lick, 
I told him about it later that it bothered me, but he's like, you have a pretty good voice. I said, I said, well, that's just a blessing of God. By the way, you don't. And what you don't know is all the conversation that went on between and all the banter and stuff. He was like, no, I don't know. I was like, no, I, I no, you're telling the truth. You, you can't sing a lick. <laughs> but nobody cared. It really didn't bother me that I couldn't even tell. How did the Lord speak so clearly? Well, they didn't have the, the distractions. They were with other people around them. And there was no inhibition. Thirdly, and here's the key if you're writing it down, they asked him to speak. They asked him. Lord, every night, every night, let's pray with the one right next to you. Let's split 60 seconds to just ask God, Lord, would you please speak to my heart tonight? Did you pray that, Jacob, through the week? Did God speak to you? Yeah. Lord, speak to me. Not, well, that message is what so-and-so needs to hear, and I hope that they get a hold of that kid over there because, you know, no, 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 it was, Lord, just speak to me. Like there's nobody else in the building. Every service they were praying was someone asking that question, Lord, will you please speak to me? There were people praying for the camp, by the way, all over the state of California. Even in other states. My nephews got to go. James and Jace, they had Canyon Ridge Baptist Church brought them from San Diego and they had never been to camp. 15, I think James is 15, 16 years old. Huh? Jace is 13, James is 15. Never been to camp. Told his mom, or, or told his mom, told Braden, the week changed my life. I said to him, I said, James, have you ever heard preaching like that? He said, Uncle Kyle, I've never heard preaching like that. So grateful that he got to go. I can't wait to see what God does with that. This is, this is how it affected his life. I think it affected his mental state, too. He said, can we come back to this camp next year? I said, no. <laughs> Sorry. Lord willing, we're not going back to this camp ever again. We'll have all the preachers. Lord willing, this is, we're never going to do that again. Our text tells us what happens or tells us about what happens when our hearts have no distractions. Our text reveals what happens when we are genuinely seeking God. Look what it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, uh, 29 and verse 12. Then shall you call upon me and shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you and you shall seek me. Listen, and you shall find me and you shall search for me with all of your heart. Don't answer out loud. Would you like God to speak to you like that? Wouldn't it be great? You know why sometimes you think he's not speaking? Because you're not asking. Because you're not around other believers that are asking. Because there's too many distractions. Some of you take your phone to devotions. Notifications just light it up and you're more interested in what the next thing is that's coming on your phone rather than the next verse in your text. I can't I can't pray with all this noise. Get some sound canceling headphones. I did it this morning. Fourth of July parade happens outside of my door. You all know that. At seven o'clock they're playing rock music and Frank Sinatra and a variety of things outside of my door, and I'm like, Lord, I'm not done with you yet. What am I supposed to do? I go outside and check, scowl, come back in. It didn't stop. So I just went and got my headphones on, and I put something soft on, and it was all gone. It was just me and the Lord. You could do that. God could speak to you. But you have to take time to do that. See, that's the other factor here is there was time set aside. So they didn't have their phones? Oh, no, we took them all. Put them in my room. So you get this back at the end of the week. Some of them are like, bye. I love you. Send me a note. It was awful. They literally, I, I watched their faces. Like I was taking part of their body off. I'm going to take your, I'm going to take your arm with me. You can't have your arm back until the end of the week. Oh, that's how bad. Listen to me. 
That's how bad it is in some of your teenagers' lives. Maybe you should just remove the distractions on a regular basis. Everybody should say amen right there. We're all distracted, aren't we? It doesn't matter if it's family or finances. It doesn't matter whether it's work. We're all distracted and we're distracted too much. And we don't take time. What was the most important part of the camp? Jacob, Jenna, all of these teenagers would say it was the preaching. It wasn't, we can't wait to get out of here to go mock tube down the slide. It was the preaching. It was that slide will be there tomorrow. That game will be there tomorrow. Right now we're hearing from God. And they did. And when he spoke, they experienced it and they put on their face or they got on their knees and they just said, God, I give up. And it didn't matter. I give up lying. I give up lusting. I give up loving the wrong things. I give up bitterness. I give up envy. I surrender it all. And that's why they came back different. Oh, it was exhausting. But it was worth every moment. Wouldn't it be great to come to church and have your heart completely open and honest before God? And ready to sing from your heart because He's so amazingly wonderful. And you're so grateful for life. Do you know what would happen? Do you know what would happen if you sat down after you sung with all of your heart and, and, and you had an expectation to hear. Dean said to me, he said, Brother Haynes, he said on Monday night, he preached an amazing message on the Monday night. And he goes, I, I, I don't normally preach that kind of message on Monday night, but I felt compelled by God to preach it. And he said, I know why. They were waiting for it. He said it was as if they were sitting on the edge of their seats going, please speak to me, God. That was Dean's words. And God did. And he did every single time. They heard nine messages from four different preachers. And it was the word of God every single time. Four different personalities, four different sizes. But they heard him. Do you know what would happen? If we came to church like God would speak to you. And you'd hear him. And you'd give up. What's been getting more attention than God in your life? What's a bigger priority than hearing from him? Well, in the church setting, we would say, Randy, nothing. We would say there's nothing more important. We need God to speak to us. We need to think about what's keeping that from happening in our lives. We need to hear from God again. As believers, we need to get on our knees and humble ourselves and pray and seek God's face and turn from our wicked ways. Guess what God will do? He said, I will hear from heaven, forgive your sin, and I will heal your land. You know what, teenagers, listen to me. Every adult in here, in fact, if you're a teenager and went to camp, I want you to stand. And I know some of them are gone. Every adult in here needs to follow your example. I'm saying that because I mean it. As a church, we need to let these teenagers lead us in what it looks like to surrender again. No distractions. All together, asking God. You led this week just by the decision that you made. Every time you got up, it was amazing. First night, I'll never forget, I told one of the pastors of uh, First Baptist Long Beach, his entire youth group, as if it were scripted, during the invitation, got up and went to the altar. I started weeping. These teenagers are leaders. Do you know why? Because they heard from God. And they decided to surrender. That's what we need to do. Listen to me, teenagers. This verse is for you, written in the Word of God. Let no man despise thy youth. But be thou an example unto the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Every decision that you made means something to God. It means something to you, and now it means something to us. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, we come before you now this morning, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity to get up and 
Lord, to rehearse all that you did this week. God, it was an amazing, it was a fun time. It was, at the same time, fun and miserable because of the heat. But that's, Lord, because I'm so spoiled rotten. And you've given us such a moderate place to live temperature-wise. But God, i got to confess, when you look back on it, it wasn't that bad. But especially in the light of the fact that you spoke this week. And our teenagers heard you and I heard you. 240 of us heard you because we didn't have the distractions. Because we were all together. Because we asked. Today, would you speak? With your heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to have Jenna play just a song this morning about sanctuary. When's the last time you heard from God? Maybe a follow-up question. What's keeping you from hearing from God? What's the distraction? It's my health. It's my spouse. It's my work. Can I just say this? If you want God to speak to you and you feel like today I need to surrender, would you just get up and leave your seat right now? There's already a family here. Nobody looking around. Nobody looking around. This is not a contest of spirituality. God, I want want you to speak to me every single day. I want you to speak to me every time I come in this building. You may need to come and confess. As more people are coming, you need to come and confess. God, here's my distraction. I'm leaving it here in this altar. And when I leave this building... I do not want this to be chained to me any longer. I don't want it. As others come, do you need to come? What's been the distracting? Worry? Fear? God, I haven't heard from you because I'm so distracted. God, I haven't asked. God, I've not been around the I've not been around other believers to encourage me that way. God, I want to hear from you. Maybe you just need to get up as others come. You just need to get up. You need to come. I'm telling you, if you just get on your knees, well, I don't know what that looks like. Well, I I couldn't keep the commitment. You're exactly right as we learn. You can't live the Christian life, but Jesus in you can. Jesus in you, the hope of glory. Lord, I surrender. You don't have to come here. You get right on your knees right where you are. Just lift up your hands to God and say, God, I give up. I just give up. Maybe you can't hear God because of pride. Maybe you've just got so many things going on that your family doesn't know about and you just got to share it. Someone else comes. I just want to surrender. God, I surrender to you.